Welcome to episode 24 of Winging It. What is Glasnable? We're going to have a little discussion later and find that all out with a much sobered up Sam Heskin. Yeah, completely sober tonight. <laughs> Any baguettes this week? Zero baguettes, sorry. Still no baguettes. Baguette withdrawal. <laughs> no baguettes. <And laughs> Neil Parr. Ah. <laughs> uh, shout out to Carl Davies, who was seemed distressed that Albert didn't make that joke last week. And Albert's voice, you've already heard. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I do write my own material. I'm not recycling <laughs> Carl's suggestions as much as I respect Carl. I, let, I think that's more your level, Terence. Yeah, that's all I've got, mate. That's why I'm going to well. drink this beer. Hopefully, it will loosen up my creative mindset. Arsehole. Oh, mine. <laughs> um, I'm on the one that I didn't have last week. That's called Sun Up because the sun has come up. We've employed Glasner. A new era is upon us. Oh, sound any better? Lump? No, it sounds lumpy. Yeah, lumpy. So it's from the Neon Raptor Brewing Company. Right, I thought as much. Yeah. And it's a double IPA. About time Eight they got a shout out. Eight <laughs> percent. Um, has it got a blurb? That's no. why they haven't had a shout out. Oh, so it's like a collaboration between Drop Project and Neon Raptor. Ah, uh, long it's awaited. What we've all, we've yeah. all been waiting for. It's like this when you're About waiting outside time. for this. Uh, uh, you see people waiting outside the Supreme store for like a yeah. white t-shirt with Supreme written really small on it for like seven mm. hours. It's the drop rest we all want. Ass- yeah. Rest, rest, rest assured. It's happened. Terence has got it. He's got a fancy and the eight, computer. The, the 8% is working already. Mm. I mean, it it's very, it's very, very tasty. Hot profile with Citra, Citra Syro and Luminosa. Bloody good ones. Bloody good ones. Bloody good ones indeed. Where to start this week? Should we talk about Everton? (laughs) Nothing's happened. (laughs) Just just a game, appointed a new manager. I did see a picture of, um, who was it? Friedman, Parrish, Glasner and Mark Bright all stood there with half and half photo with Blue saying Blue have let themselves go. That amused me. Brighty, by the way, was absolutely livid that he wasn't allowed to sit next to Parrish at, at Goodison. He was absolutely <laughs> steaming about it. It's good to see that um, Friedman and Glasner weren't at each other's throats yet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which they were actually referring to quite a lot on the Sky Sports commentary, so we can just assume that they listened to the pod. They were all over oh. Florian Malberg. So, um, there you go. Comments Sky last Sports. Week. Sky Sports Deutsche correspondent has obviously paid dividends. Mm. <laughs> no shout outs though. Outrageous behaviour. Um, no. Happy with a point, Albert? Or. Mm. Yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. I know Roy's gone, but respect the point away from home <laughs> in. in in circumstances of late, you know, would I have taken it before? Yeah, I probably would. Um, it's a better point for us than it is for them. Um, 
particularly if they're going to get more taken off them. So maybe we can have those ones. <laughs> Does it work like that? Uh, yeah, but I thought in context of the game, though, you know, obviously we're going to go into it. I thought we were um, we were fucking so much better than they were. Still, a, still a little bit sort of toothless when it comes to you know clear shots and clear chances. And I mean, our goalie made some fucking wondrous saves, so it could have gone a, another way. But yeah, I thought overall we were way better than them. But a point away from home on a fucking shite Monday night probably can't be sniffed at. It's definitely a better point for us than it is for them. It was very much a not-lose game for us. Maintain that five-point gap or get it to eight were the only real mm. options that we could have had. It would have been really getting scary if it had dropped down to two points. Although <coughs> Luton appeared to have fallen off a cliff now, getting humped by a second-string Liverpool team tonight as well, as we're recording, finishing 4-1. <coughs> uh, interesting fact about that game, Heskiff. We're all trying to work it out before. Neil Dan's son came on as a late sub for Liverpool. Yeah. Make it make, it make sense. I know. If you didn't feel old already, who's, Neil Dan's I'm son. Sorry. Who's old in this scenario? Neil Dan's or us? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I got. I don't. Neil Dan's age. Neil Dan. Oh, Neil Dan's is. Oh my god, he's younger than me. He's November eighty-two. What? So he's forty-one. He's forty-one. I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. I didn't think he was younger than me. (laughs) And how old is how old's Dan Dan's or whatever his name is? (laughs) Jaden Jaden Dan's. um, Far off. Jay Dan Dan's is eighteen years old. He was born. Okay. In January 2006. Oh, dear. Fuck. He's he's younger than my career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that's pretty bad. I don't like I don't like any of that. Okay, listen, Neil Dan's just had a child young. That's just all too young. Neil some say. Neil point. <laughs> he had a kid too young. We're not old. Everything's fine. Let's just move sure. on. Sure. Talking of Neil Poir, Neil Dan Senior, grandfather of Jaden, father of Neil. He's only a... what? F- 48. <laughs> yeah, he started young. No, he was a singer in the Eurovision Song Contest in 1987. Representing the UK? <laughs> I, t- I don't know. said he was a singer. I don't think he was the act. Uh, uh, what, he was on like BVs or something? That's yeah, backing vocals like for uh, all you uncool uh, kids. People behind the curtain a little now, bit now, there, mate. Now you've got, you got Logic Pro on your big shiny new computer. He was a singer on UK's entry in the 1987 Eurovision Song Contest. Gina G. Ooh, ah, just a little bit. <laughs> it wasn't, was it? No. No, it was Ricky. Only the light. Only the light. I've literally Banger. never heard of that. Did he win? Obviously not. Um, it did. No. <laughs> What? It, 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 it won Eurovision. Win. Yeah. No, wait, hang yeah. on. No, no, wait, 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 hang on, hang on. Stop. No, it, I'm looking at this like, wow, it won, getting 12 points from Bristol, 15 points from Edinburgh. Oh, no, this was just the UK to win the UK, right? Oh. oh. 
I was going to say the Eurovision has expanded quite a lot since then, then, if it's Bristol voting. 12 mm. points from Bristol is pretty good, because I'm pretty sure yeah. Palace haven't got 12 points out of Bristol over the last 15, 20 years. Bang. Certainly any of the games that I've fucking been to. <laughs> it placed 13th, for those that are interested. And the UK award, awarded their 12 points to Ireland. <coughs> any more? <laughs> any more? Uh, Neil Dan Senior was also a European skateboard champion. That's cool. Neil Dan Senior. Okay, fine. 80s, yeah. wasn't it? 80s. If he weren't singing, oh. he was skateboarding. Far out, man. Far out, man. Anyway, where were we? Everton. We're talking about Everton. Everton, Monday night. <laughs> Everton, Monday night. Good. So, I mean, it was the scrappiest of scrappy games. I don't think the ball touched the ground in the opening five minutes, which is handy because that means Everton will find it difficult to score in the opening three minutes of the match. And that five minutes was just Mateta trying to control it. Hi, <laughs> <Oi>, hey. <laughs> the vendetta continues. Um, the Jean Paul Vendetta. Jean Philippe Vendetta. That's my. Yeah. I'm going to get that on the back of a shirt. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Keep your Pong. fucking nil par. Keep your fucking nil par, Carl. <laughs> I'll raise you, Jean Philippe Vendetta. Vendetta. Edouard had a bit of a half chance, I guess, early early on. How did you feel we played Albert after you know, getting his first start in quite a while? I thought he did all right, actually. Uh, like you say, first start in a while, he's been sort of feeding off scraps and late appearances. I've, you know, I thought he did all right. Um, obviously, with a few more players available, we probably doesn't get that slot. Um, but it's nice to see him and Mateta, all joking aside, on the pitch at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I thought he was a bit... I thought he did really well, got into some good positions, but it was a bit wasteful. Decision-making wasn't very sharp, which is... Our, our forward line, really, to in a yeah. nutshell. Um, but and I mean, I, I think how the ch- game changed when he came off was probably testament to how decent his performance was because we just sort of fell away as a result of that. It might have been tactically as well because we dropped a bit deeper. But yeah, uh, but they probably had the best chance of the first half. Heskiff. Now I've always mm. thought that I'd take Dominic Calvert Lewin and have him up front for Palace, but. Last few times I've seen him, not been very impressive, and he's missed some good chances. Yeah, and that uh, that cross, I think McNeil put it in, was oh, beauty. like the, the ultimate cross you'd want if you're a sort of player like Calvert Lewin. Like, just get your head on it, and it's in. Um, and I was surprised actually because, yeah, like you, I, I always thought he was he was pretty good. Um, and I'm always worried that he'll, well, I always think he'll score against us. But I was really shocked when they were talking about how bad his goal record was this year. Hmm. Obviously, that meant I thought he was nailed on to score against us because that's what we do. But <clears throat> yeah, that it was a great cross. I mean, you know, he couldn't have asked for it, a more perfect cross. I'm just really surprised that he didn't go in. Yeah, they pointed some good crosses into the box and eventually, eventually told. Uh, but we get through to half time at nil nil. Come out in the second half, survived the first minutes of the second half as well, not conceding a goal. 
and eventually take the lead through Albert we up until Sheffield United we hadn't scored from outside the box this season now four of our last five goals have been from outside the box as I use lash another one into the top corner it's fucking it it well listen like you say but you you know all joking aside when you talk about our sort of wasteful hesitant front line fucking we need to start hitting the ball more from outside the fucking box cut out the strikers and fucking just have a go um we've got players who can hit it as well you know as we can as we can see and that's with, and that's not including when Eze and Elise are on the pitch so you know it's always been something that I feel we've lacked like mm. think, I just associate us with unless it was sort of a you know a Yedinak purple patch of free kicks whatever like we've always been we've always lacked um efforts from from range so it's good to see they're my favorite types of goals you know what was good about that are goal as well was the the goals where the ball doesn't like rotate he just hits it and it just sort of flies straight um there's a like a great angle of it from behind the goal we see pickford diving is obviously nowhere near it and it oh. just just misses tarkovsky as well like yeah literally must have like shaved some hairs off him as it went by it was such a clean hit and like good for Ayu, man. Because I, again, I thought Ayu was—he he worked really hard. Um, it was a good build-up to the goal, you know. Good flick on by Eddie and JP did well to sort of hold people off. And I just, yeah, like you said, I just like that Ayu just thought, oh, "Fuck this, just smack it." Um, I'm really, yeah, really happy for him. But then we make a change. I, I joked on the Twitter account saying that we played for a one-one as soon as we went one-nil up, which. Um, <laughs> Did end up materialising. Ahamada came on for Edouard. We dropped a lot deeper. They just put loads of pressure on us, which resulted in loads of free kicks in and around the box and corner kicks. And we're really good at defending set pieces. So yeah. bring it on, nice day. Can't can't score them. Can't stop them going in. And it's Chris Richards, Albert, <laughs> that gets bullied by Onana. What's his name? <laughs> now, now we're just stealing match of the day jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if you if you look like just before, just Anana's just manhandling him, but in like in a completely fair way. That like just Richards is trying to push him back, but Anana's just not having any of it. And as soon as the ball comes in, Anana's just away from him, and Richards is looking around in a one eighty trying to find him. And by the time he has found him, he's heading the ball home. Mm. Uh, he then lost Heskiff Tarkovsky two he minutes Heskiff. later. Even though he was marking Heskiff, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you'd well, lose me. I'm, I'm stationary. He's bad. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Especially considering he's usually carrying around a baguette as well. You think it'd be easy to spot? But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's then lost Tarkovsky. He lost Gabriel twice at the Arsenal game. Starting to become a sort of trend in his defending of corners. Yeah, it's a real shame as well because I think a lot of the comments we've had this season of like he's been all right, but obviously he's been playing out of position. You know, when when we had him filling in for Decore, but you would think you know he's a tall guy, he's pretty strong. You would think that he'd be good at, at marking up at corners, but like you say, he just got completely done by sort of nothing against Onana, um, and then that free kick re again got done by Tukovsky not really doing anything. It, it's just, I, I, it's obviously something he needs to work on because 
they're not even sort of foxing him with a clever run or spinning off or anything. They, they're just sort of moving away from him and he and he loses them. Um, it's something that's part of a bigger problem, the way that we defend corners, whether that's, you know, individuals doing it or the way that we sort of mark zonally or whether it's hybrid or whatever. And that's definitely something that's high up on Glasner's, you know, to-do list, isn't it? Because... It's been it's been happening all season, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any any better unless we really, really try and change it. Mm. Uh, for that goal, also the returning Sam Johnston coming at a a wee flap at the ball. Now, Albert, you said he made a bunch of miraculous saves. Gonna... I don't think I said miraculous. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he made, thought he made some some good saves. Yeah, I, I thought he made I'm some. Not just, denying the flap. I'm not denying yeah. the flap. No, I, I, th- I think he made saves that you'd expect him to make, and you know, I always <laughs> slag commentators off in my mind for saying it's a good height for him and all of that sort of stuff. But you know, having been a goalkeeper myself, I would have expected to make the saves that he made. I'd have also expected Dean Henderson to make those saves. Um. There seems to be this weird sort of fans picking one or the other <laughs> or, you know, some sort of beef has now occurred between fans over whether it should be Henderson in goal or whether it should be Johnson or is Henderson shit and all of this. I think he would have made those saves and I think if he would, have, if Henderson would have come out and flapped at the corner like that, it would have been a lot more messy <laughs> over social media that it was when Johnson did it because no one said anything. But I think it, I think he's made a bad error there. He's like completely misread it where, you know, he would have had a chance to save it if he just stayed on his line or a chance to catch it if he would have read it a bit better. But There's a lot of bodies in the box though, isn't there? There's yeah, a lot of bodies in the box. There's a skill in being a goalkeeper of evading those bodies or recognising very early that you can't get through those bodies. And he's done it quite a few times now where he's not making the right decision in those areas, which I don't know. I don't know. I, just, I, I think both goalkeepers are good. I just both think they come with our thoughts as well. I don't think anyone's drastically better than the other, for example. Well, it's interesting as well, isn't it? Because a lot of the criticism that I've seen named at Henderson is that he stays in his line a lot. With Johnston's more prone to coming out and trying to punch it away or dominate the box more. So in this respect where you say like he has come off his line to try and get the ball and had a flap and it's gone in. Yeah, I agree that if Henderson had done that, he would have been getting like absolute pelters for it. Um, But I'm the same as you, you know, if you were to say, who would you pick for the next game? I'd say Johnston. But I don't think either are a bad goalkeeper. Obviously, they both have things they can improve on. Um, But yeah, I'm not, I'm certainly not as down on Henderson as some people Mm. seem to be. It was interesting with Johnson as well, only having 20% pass completion in the game because we went long much, much more than we usually do. And it's probably part of having Edouard and Mateta on the field and uh, that's where the goal came from. I think it was a Johnson kick flicked on by Edouard and Mateta got it out to Ayu. Um, so, yeah, it was much, much different in that aspect of the passing out from the back completely went. So it'll be interesting to see if that's sort of a wider part of how Glasner plays. 
trying to win those second balls in there with, you know, getting the right bodies around the right people. Don't know. We'll have to see how that turns out. Um, so happy with a point overall. Keeps us five points clear of them. Now, suggestions are they might get four points back from their 10-point deduction before then getting a further six-point deduction. So, Fucking, I can't keep up with it. Yeah, it seems bollocks to do it in season. If you're going to deduct some points and then give it back, it feels a bit weird. Like, just settle on the amount of points you're going to do. <laughs> let them appeal and then do it then, as opposed mm. to take them off, then let them appeal. But it's been weird because they wiped it out instantly, didn't they? They they got the 10-point deduction then won four games in a row, but then haven't, yeah. won, haven't won since then in the league. So... Yeah, interesting. But I think defensively, they're very good. So it took something special to break them down. It didn't really look like we were going to score otherwise. Um, so I think defensively, is what's, their defence is what's going to get them out of it, fundamentally. And if, if they keep putting balls in the box like they were putting in last night, they're going to win, they're going to win games. And the f- fact is, in game senses they've got 10 more points on the board than they've actually got so their position is a bit false bit of a lie they're more towards mid-table so I think in the in the long sense of the season they're probably going to get get out of it sadly I do want I do want them to go <laughs> I don't know why I think it's that pitch invasion still that lives rent free yeah. in my brain get, oh, get them down to go <clears throat> you know they spent a ridiculous amount of money over how many the last what eight years and obviously that's where they are where they are in terms of having points taken and given back and taken away again. Um, should, but yeah, get down. Should be getting relegated for a point in Lampard, let's be honest. Get down. That should be, that should be automatic relegation. Get down. Hmm. Sean Dyche, ugh, get down. Did you see that stat that was going around, which was another one that I thought was worried about him saying he has, Dyche hasn't won in 47 games when conceding the first goal. <sighs> We tried our, we tried our best at the end there. <laughs> yeah, forty-seven games. That's bad. It's really bad. It's just that feels, that feels like quite a palacey stat. So I'm glad it's not a palacey stat. No, we we've always got a comeback in us. We've done that plenty of times in the past. We've had comebacks. So a few against Burnley, I remember as well under Dyke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've won twice there after conceding the first goal I think in recent years right let's start getting into our new manager Glasner has arrived and there's been a shuffle in the staff Ray Lewington and his shorts depart um, I always feel like Lewington's a sad loss it was the last time he went, he went around as well because he obviously you know, escapes any criticism but just you know, he'd, enthusiastic on the line, always positive. Apparently, all you could hear at Goodison on Monday night was his voice because the home fans mm-hmm. were pretty much silent. Um, <laughs> so sad to see Ray go again for the however many time for his left palace. <laughs> it must be about four or five times now that Ray Lewington has departed. But yeah, sad to see Ray go. But Pad- Paddy McCarthy has kept his job. I mean, I'm I'm not really surprised by this. Um, Albert, you said you like people shoot from range. I remember him scoring from about 65 <laughs> yards against Derby once. <laughs> yeah, it's it. You don't score them like that anymore, do they? Yeah. Uh, but, Heskiff, does it surprise you or not 
that he stayed. I mean, given, you know, integral in developing a lot of the young players that are coming through now, knows the club really well. You got unsurprising that Glasner would want some continuity there. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's probably why he stayed. Um, I know that Parrish does like to keep that sort of someone who knows the club line going, um, and I'm sure that's part of it. But like you say, he Paddy did a really good job with the academy, with the 18s and 21s who are now getting to the point where they're training with the first team. You know, he brought Ozzo on, on on Monday. So I think that that's, that's pretty important. That There'll definitely come a time where Paddy will have to go and be a manager somewhere else, lower down in the leagues um, and work his way up. But I think, yeah, I think probably Glasner's quite happy to have him. And I think what's good for me is when when Roy came in and it was just sort of like Roy, Ray and Paddy and that's it. Derry came back for a bit and then went again. Glasner's obviously bringing like four people with him. So it's not like Paddy's the only coach really knocking about. Um, so I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think it, he, he'll have a voice that will be important to Glasner early on. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Certain, certainly up until summer, it'll be good to have him around. Mm. So he's brought some new staff with him, though. Four, four in total. Albert, I've just listed them in WhatsApp. What, what are their names? Oh, fuck off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't think that's how it's pronounced. Michael, <laughs> Michael Angerschmidt. Ronald Meyer, Emmanuel Pogatetz. And Michael Burke told. Yeah, pretty good. I think the Michaels might be um, Michael. Michael, well, maybe. Says Michael on my screen, mate. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I go on the basis that my wife's sister's husband's Michael, but everyone calls him Michi. So I think it's Michael, Michael, or Michael, or something like that. But. Yeah, Angus Smith, Brunmeyer, Pogatets, Pogatets, we all know Pogatets. Well, our older listeners. I don't think anyone under the age of 30 listens to this pod. <laughs> so everyone will remember Pogatets being a little mani- maniac running around for Middlesbrough a few years back. And then Bergtold is a fitness coach, fitness and conditioning coach. That's if we've, we've had some more hamstrings this week. Don't even play it out on loan. Who is it? Kofi Barmer's gone. Hamstring. Kofi Barmer's gone. Yeah. When I saw, I think it was one of the guys. One of the guys from the South London Press was like, "Oh, Kofi Barmer's got to come off." And then the next tweet was like, "It looks like his hamstring." I was like, <laughs> "Just have, just have that in your drafts because that's what it'll be." If you're if you're connected to Palace, just use that. Well, as it draft. looks like his it's the hamstring that's been left on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Mr. Burke told, I'm really looking forward to what you might be able to offer in our players. Especially given the bit of the high intensity press that we're going to probably see out of Glasner, which we'll get into. And Dean Kylie keeps his job, goalkeeping coach. Does he keep his job, Albert, as set-piece coach? Um, I mean, I'm all for giving people plenty of chances <laughs> however 113 the, chances in the league to score from one yeah i can't work out what's worse are we is it more frustrating that we don't score from them or is it more frustrating that we concede so many from them um but 
whichever one it is, it's not great news for whoever's job it is to <laughs> address those things. So it probably is fair to give someone else a go. Um, pro- probably fair to say as well that if we had had Wharton taking them all season, we might have scored from one after our chances at Everton. Mm. What was it one, one off the line? Richards had one deflected wide, which looked like it might have snuck in. Um, and I, someone, I remember someone heading over as well. So some pretty good corners from Wharton Point in really good areas with a nice bit of shape on it. So maybe all is not lost. <laughs> he's quite good, that Wharton. He's, he's not bad, is he? He's not bad. He's he's always thinking forward. Mm-hmm. That is what I noticed watching Everton and like really sort of you know, focusing on it. I made sure I put my phone in another room. I was like, I'm not going to get bored by the ball being in the air. I'm going to watch this game. And even when you look at his passing, actually, I think it was only 65% or something like that in the game. It was pretty low. <clears throat> but it's because he was trying to make things happen quick on the counter, trying to put things through and trying to uh, trying to unlock them with some really high, you know, diff- high difficulty balls. A couple of times nearly got players away. But even when he's passing backwards it's with getting forward in mind so it's to open up those spaces and like allow either allowing the person who's passing back to to get the ball forward or allow him to get a ball in a more advanced position where he can pass forward and I think he's going to be really really integral to what Glasner's going to want to do mm-hmm. with his style of play um, so let's get into that so I think we probably saw a mini insight into Everton information-wise of what we could expect. Mm. It's going to be a 3-4-2-1 with your three centre-backs, which I think <laughs> probably name themselves. Not sure how well Tompkins would be doing in that mix of a back three. Just to, just to jump in, I actually thought Wardy played really well on Monday. Yes. Yeah, especially you saw it. That it's very rare to see Ward blowing out of his ass, but he was yeah. he was dead on his feet. He was probably he was. having his like hands on his head, like taking and gulping in deep breaths in the last ten minutes. But yeah, he, he did do all right. I, th- I thought. Um, see see how that goes, but obviously when Gay comes back, it's going to be Gay and Anderson and, and Richards, and then it's going to be the four are your two wing backs. So, under Glasner, with Glasner ball, you can expect, I think, to see Munoz and Mitchell are going to be really high up the pitch most of the time. Um, Munoz, I thought, did really well against Everton. I had a really, were you laughing in a way I'm saying Munoz? No, no. I was just remembering that there was a bit <laughs> towards, towards the end of the first half where one of our players was hairing down on Pickford. To pressure him in, and he he pressured him into kicking the ball off the pitch, and I was yeah. like, "That's that's that's the fucking that's Munoz." Yeah, great. I think I'm gonna love him. Yeah, I think it, it, it was weird. He had a really good first half, I thought, and then a, a really quiet second half. Yeah, and what that was, whether I don't know, Evan Everton did something tactically to try and pin him a bit, but yeah, far less forward in the second half. But yeah, I really enjoyed his performance for sure. Um, we're gonna see how Mitchell gets on with it. He also got through one-on-one against Everton, so that might be more of what's to come. Far less confident than the finish at Burnley, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they're going to be really high up the pitch. Then you're going to have your box-to-box midfielders 
are making up the other two of that four. And at the moment, that's going to be your Lerma and your Wharton. Be interesting to see what happens when Decore comes in later in the season. But I guess a lot of that's going to depend on who we've got left at the club. Um, then you've got two narrow wingers or wide tens is what you're going to get, which is going to be when we've got everyone fit, it's going to be Elise and Eze. So it sort of serves well to get, it's probably where Eze will work better. You know, you don't want Eze quite out wide, but then probably not straight through the middle either. So sort of floating in that, I think it's half, half space is what they call they call it, which is not quite all the way out wide, but then sort of just inside the box or five yards inside the box as well to the edge of the box. Um, so yeah, Eze and Elise in there. Ultimately, I think we're going to continue to see Edouard and Ayu in there in the meantime. Although Eze may be back for Burnley, so who knows? Uh, and then your big man up top. I think it w- it's always probably going to be Mateta, um, given his size and physicality and his more willingness to press and so on. So, yeah. Um, but if you think what you got to think about is basically everything's going to be super narrow with the exception of Mitchell and Munoz. They're going to basically be hung in the flanks and they're serving kind of multiple purposes there. They're trying to stretch the team out. So we've got, we've, we've flooded in the middle of the park. We've got good passes in there now. So that's a good thing. And we're looking for holes that if the fullback, our wing backs are stretching them out and that will create holes. And if it's not, we can just switch it out to the flanks and they should have loads of space if the team's remaining disciplined in the middle. Um, works in overloads, so you're both defensively and offensively. So, you know, five-man overloads is kind of what they're looking for with all he's going to be looking for with all this stuff. And then if they lose the ball, then you try and win it back quickly before dropping into shape if you don't. So um, I don't think a lot of fans have been talking about looking forward to having a more tactically astute manager. I don't think he really is tactically astute. In the, he's not a tactical master. I think he has a philosophy and of an identity of this is how we play. And that is just how we're going to play. I don't think we're going to see dramatic tactical switches in games because of how it's going on in the game. I just think he trusts in his philosophy and his identity and that will get us through. Oh, like uh, Roy then. Yeah, but in at least it's 15, 20 yards further up the pitch. <laughs> it is kind of what we want to be seeing uh yeah so yeah so you kind of got with by having your narrow your narrow tens your narrow wingers or your wide tens or whatever you're kind of creating a box in the middle and i think the best example of this is how successful this has been in recent english football sadly is the zerby brighton last season by creating this sort of box of players in the middle and then having your fullbacks uh, or wing backs as they are really hugging the flanks. <clears throat> so the idea, as I say earlier, the idea is to stretch the team out, create holes in the middle, and be patient through then so those holes come up. And if they don't, switch them out. And also a combination as well. Once it gets in a bit more wide, you're going to see kind of like your set. Your say you on the right is going to be your right centre back, your right wing back, your centre midfielder and your wide 10 on that side are going to be playing lots of quick interchanges. 
And then the whole idea of that is to pull players across and then you're going to see a big switch. And if you're on the right, it's going to be to Mitchell. And that big switch to Mitchell is then basically going to leave him free to put a cross into the box. And what it's designed to do is turn the opposition around. So all the players that have come across to one side are now turning, running back towards the other side, trying to defend the ball they're running towards which makes it a lot easier for our attackers to attack the ball because you want to be attacking it in that position, not running towards it, defending it. And you're going to see a lot of players understanding what kind of runs they have to make and very deliberate balls across. So you're going to have your your one man who's going to be absolutely deliberately going to the first post, one man going to the back post, one man dropping into the sort of space I think a great example of it recently was Gallagher's goal again, the first goal against us in the Chelsea game last Monday. You know, just hanging back a little bit before just thrashing it home. So I think you're going to see a clear identity there. And it's one of those things there's going to be teams are going to know what we're doing, but it's just whether you can remain disciplined to stop it, which you see all the time players aren't. Um, So we'll be hammering away at that sort of stuff as it goes on. I think Gay and Anderson are going to be really, really key. Um, their passing is going to get everything underway for starters, but also how they cope with in transitions when we lose the ball, they're going to see themselves in wide positions. Maybe Anderson will actually play the Senate role to avoid exposing his pace a little bit, but you're going to see Gay and you're going to see Richards getting dragged out wide as the cover comes around from the other side to sort of drop into a back four as and when we lose the ball and we can't you know can't get it back on the counter press so yeah so that back three is going to be really key to keep fit really because if we start getting into our depth we could be in trouble there I think as good as Wall did it Evan go on Albert this all sounds very Frank De Boer 2-0 Burnley <laughs> very, it's all a bit much gyro gyro you're back a sweeper get on the pitch just losing out to Mounier at the near post on multiple occasions. Yeah, I mean, you referred to it last week about how it it takes a while or, uh, you know, at previous clubs, it's taken a a, a large handful of games for, you know, the system to click. And that's the, yeah, that's sort of been echoing in my head all week because the one thing we haven't got is 10 games to wait for things to click. So you hope that, you know, if if that's the if what you've just um, very well described is you know if that if that's the end game, you hope that there's a there's a sort of interim system that we can sort of go into in the meantime. Which you know, like I say, the the the, the shape the shape on Monday, you know, is clearly with a, a view to Glasner's preferences in mind, and you know, we we didn't look too bad. So you sort of hope that. You know, within five or six games, we're we're most of the way there, and and you can certainly see what we're trying to do, even if we're not sweeping every team aside three nil. Yeah, the, I mean, the the one thing that I've read a lot about him, outside of sort of tactics and formations and stuff, is a lot of people have said that he's very good at improving players individually. So one of the one of the features, one of the articles I read said, you know, he's very good at making average players be good. Mm. And I think we've got some very good players in the squad already. So if you think he can improve them, he can make, you know, up up their output 10% or whatever, that's going to work very well. And and, and I think that that's as important as systems and philosophies and, and tactics. Being able to 
get extra out of the players that we already have. Because for a team like Palace, obviously, we're not going to just come in and buy a world-class player and just slot him in and that's that. So I think, yeah, if he's able to sort of get more out of the players that we've got and undoubtedly in the last, whatever, however many months we've had of this season, six, seven months this season, there's clearly players who can do more than we've seen them do this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he can get that going, then hopefully we'll be in, 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 in a very good way come the end of the season. Yeah, Florian put it last week really nicely saying that he believes every player has untapped potential. And if you you know if you've got to the professional level, you there's still more f- to unlock for you. So it's going to be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah. um, the one last one last thing around Glasnabal as well is what you can expect to see is lots of pressing traps where Mateta or if it's Edouard leading the line is going to be really really key to this, and it's basically trying to force them to pass into areas where you're ready to pounce and intercept. And again, Munoz and Mitchell going to be really, really key here as they're going to be the players who are going to be trying to pounce on it and intercept the ball. So, yeah, exciting. Expect high-intensity pressing. Expect lots of switches and cross-field balls and expect goals, goals, goals. We're going to have to release Palace Palace score videos again. (laughs) (laughs) Smashing teams every week. Palace score, imagine that. I still can't believe... <laughs> not, it's not going to be like the under-15s anymore. We're actually going to have some first-team goals that we can vote on. <laughs> yeah, so, but Albert, as you said, you worry it's a lot uh, too soon, maybe. I did look into how he started with his previous two clubs in seasons, and he started both seasons pretty well, to be honest, with Wolfsburg and Frankfurt, his last two clubs. However, those did come off the back of extensive pre-seasons where they had time to implement it but in Wolfsburg he was nine unbeaten in his first nine games uh, winning the first two and at Frankfurt they did lose the opener to Dortmund before going five straight draws they went they went lost five two went nil nil and then had four straight one ones um, and then went and won at Munich so his starts have been good but admittedly with pre-seasons full extensive pre-seasons to get that philosophy in place. So, yeah, so that's a bit of what Glasnabal is given to you by my shit translation skills <laughs> of speaking to people this week and trying to sort of get a feel for what it was. Um, so, yeah, sounds great. Nicely done. And I feel like he's got a better track record of implementing it than De Boer, that sort of style, than De Boer did. You know, De Boer was already on a downward trend by the time he got to us after a shit show at Inter and so on, and then, you know, just continued in his jobs after. Well, I think he kind of did all right in the MLS for a bit, but it's the fucking MLS. So, Phil, ne- Phil Neville did all right in the MLS. Yeah. But, you know, there's not a... Sh- there's not a shit body of work on Glasner's CV yet, is there? And that's that's a fact. We'll probably <laughs> <laughs> give it a week. <laughs> it's it is weird though, being like I'm pretty excited about it, and I know that's obviously going to set the ball rolling to everything going horribly wrong. But yeah, everything I've read about him. 
it sounds great. Other other teams fans are like, how the how the fuck have Palace done this? Which is also weird, you know. Um, sometimes you get it about a player that you bring in, but I can't really remember ever a manager like even with Vieira. Everyone likes Vieira because he was a good player, not because he was a brilliant manager. So it's kind of weird being really excited about a manager, but like I'm I'm begging Palace to drop the interview and first day at training footage. Yeah. Hopefully that's out by the time you listen to this. Mate, it's the most excited I've been since the ball, basically. When when the ball came in, I was very I was so excited I went on eBay and bought a Barcelona shirt with the ball on the back. Well, that's how excited I was. I was like, get him on the red and blue stripes already. Um but obviously went pear shaped, sadly. Um and then since then, you know, no one was excited when we employed Vieira. We were all we were all a bit like hmm. It was like audacious, yeah, exactly. But it turned it obviously turned out well. But then everything else has kind of been the appointments have always been shit. We're in the shit. Yeah. Get get getting the old boys to come and save us. So Warnock. So I'm, I'm try, I was trying to recall if I was excited about Pardew or not. I think I was all right with Pardew coming in. Yeah, I wanted him in. Mm. But I didn't think I, I don't I wouldn't I don't remember being like excited about it. I was just like, yeah, he'll, he'll be quite good. I got excited very quickly when we beat Spurs at home, to be honest. <laughs> and then and then we won lots for like a year. So yeah, so who knows? We we'll see. He's got no better start though, Albert. No better start. He's got Burnley at home. Uh, Burnley haven't won a game since the twenty third uh, of December. Let's just end it here, please. I don't like all that. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, he's it's strange, isn't it? It's, it's his first official game, so is 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 the pressure on? Uh, in theory, you, sh- you know, we should be saying, you know, not really. You know, as long as we put in a performance and we see an improvement, and you know, carry on in a similar vein as we did against Everton, then we'll all be happy. But the reality is, we haven't been winning these types of games under the previous manager. Um, so whether it's his first game or not. There is obviously a real expectation and a want amongst the fan base. I'm, you know, no doubt to fucking get three points on the board against a team that we really should be beating at home. But now, at the moment, that's you know that's underwritten with the sort of I don't know what the word is, uh, you know, the newness of a, a coach that's only been here five minutes. So, you know, it could go either way. But fuck me, whoever the manager is, we need to win it. Mm. Yeah, we've got like two big home games coming up with you know Burnley and Luton sandwich Spurs away. Where I mean, if he beats Burnley and then goes and gets anything at Spurs, he's a fucking genius and erect a statue now because, uh, as we discovered a couple of weeks ago, Hesk, if your Spurs record <laughs> pretty much sums up our record yeah. against Spurs. <laughs> yeah. It, it- Listen, score a league goal when I'm there and you're you get the freedom in Aubrey. <laughs> the only worse Spurs record than Heskiffs is that Aussie's Dream song by Chaz and Dave. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say Harry Kane's trophy record. No. You're just talking, I mean, German football's kind of important at the moment given the rumours that Bayern were looking at Glasner and it has been announced today that Tuchel will go at the end of the season from Bayern. 
So be interesting to see if they come knocking, if they can't get Xavi Alonso, which they're just buying, just doing the typical thing that they do. We've been caught by someone. Let's buy all their stuff. So they've yeah. done it to Dortmund for yeah. years, and now it's Leverkusen. Uh, mm. Or or Neverkusen, as they're known in Germany, for having never won the league, but finished second five or six times. Doesn't look like it's going to be that way this season. So, yeah, I mean, see how it goes. But if he, if he has a storming end to the season with us, and then Bayern come knocking, it, it feels Marco very Palace <laughs> that we'd lose him after four months. Yeah. <laughs> what so do you think Saturday must win do you think for you must win yeah hmm. I mean it's yeah. uh, I mean it's not the be all and end all because we what what are we now on 25 points yeah 25 points after 25 games we need nine we need nine more points maybe 10 and we'll stay up uh, Burnley and Luton where you're going to want to take care of six of those in the next few weeks, really, realistically. But there will be other opportunities as the season goes on and we get players back. I mean, it's just hopefully the rumours are true and that Eze will be able to get on the pitch for maybe half an hour against Burnley if things aren't going great. Hopefully we don't need to play them. Hopefully we can um, beat them with what we've got. Who knows? We struggled. Didn't we struggled against them at their place? I know we come out two 0 winners, but it was only you know last kick of the game kind of sealed it off, and they had some mm. really good chances in that game. So yes, it's t- it's touch and go at the moment. It's it's more losing or not beating Burnley would not be as disastrous as it would be losing to Luton because. Mm they're a lot closer to us. So Luton is more the, well, must not lose, that's for sure. But, you know, we shouldn't be ending like this. We should be positive. No manager bounce. Boing. Yeah, we're going to just... Have you got a boing sound effect on the thing? Mm, No, I haven't. No, no, it's all right. Don't worry. Yeah. (laughs) I won't do it again. (laughs) I almost, I almost broke out the Pardew dance there. That's, that's not good. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I'd, I, I want to win. You want to be beating bottom of the league at home or second bottom, whatever they are, is between them and Sheffield United. Yeah. Got to be beating them at home, really. Those you, You've got it on the pad as three points, certainly. So you want to go and be doing it. And hopefully we can. I mean, it's, if, we, if we beat them 2-3-0 under the new manager, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of HF are going to be doing something. Is the atmosphere is going to be good? It's going to be exciting. Yeah, looking forward to Saturday a lot. Um, Hesky, if you'll be there, Albert, is well, it one of your games or is the season ticket share abandoned you? No, uh, I've, I've I've sat here and said I'm not going. I'm not going the rest of this season, thinking they wouldn't change the manager. Now they have. I really want to go, but I've got a an event on Saturday evening, which means I'd have to go to football dressed up like a prick, mate, and then go straight to the event. You've so been to, you've been to LA, you didn't win there. You've been to the Baftas, you didn't win there. Just stop going. Yeah, yeah. You you, <laughs> yeah. you, you want me to like stay that. away from Sellhurst? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair point. <laughs> 
I thought you and uh, you and Joe looked very suave at the BAFTAs. Very, very suave. Thanks very much. Yeah. You, you scrub up all right, didn't you? Yeah, I try. <laughs> oh. No, I'm not going to Watford. Oh, actually. Watford are at home to Huddersfield on Saturday. Honestly, you've got to stop, man, because people are going to believe you. I just <laughs> I did, just did a little bit of research. When you said dressed stop up like a prick, it's because you're wearing a fucking Watford shirt. Uh, he's, he's, he's the new Harry the Hornet. That's the problem. <laughs> he's got a dancer. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So... I think that's it for this week. Yeah. We'll end on Albert being Harry the Hornet, his secret identity. He's like a shit superhero. Thanks. I think. Mm. Next week, we'll regale Heskiff with stories at a time that we saw a squirrel carrying a baguette in your garden, Albert. Just to mug him off. (laughs) But yeah, everyone, thank you for listening. A new era is here. Hopefully we can start with a massive three points on Saturday against Burnley in a rock in Sellers Park. Let Glazer know properly what he's coming to. Good old 2013-14 Sellers Park. Rocking. Next week, normal time, in your inboxes on Thursday. We'll be building you up to Spurs. I think we're just going to have Heskiff cry about He's not here. He can't He's do not it here. He can't do it here. I said it about five times before we started recording. He's going on holiday. He's, what's he doing? Going to Watford? On, he's going on holiday in Watford. I'm going to an event. <laughs> an event? Um, yeah, I'm going to a concert. Sorry. Mm. I, in fact, do you know what? I'm going to go back in it. Whilst we're recording, I'm going to go back in the WhatsApp and look at how long ago it was that I said this because it was about a month ago. <laughs> Oh, we'll have to we'll have to get a guest on then, I guess. See what Carl, we get. What, Carl, what's um, what's Carl up to? <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Um, pepper us with tweets of who you might want us to have on, or Instagram DMs, and we'll go for them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's out there. <laughs> I know who I don't want to be out there. <laughs> We'll get Roy on. Roy will come. I reckon he'll stand nah, in. He's, he's done his podcast appearance for the century. <laughs> the century. After slagging off, after slagging off podcasts. Mm. Right. Heskip is really digging deep into the WhatsApp archives, and we'll just we'll just finish with him doing. We that. don't want to be proved wrong whilst recording. Fucking end it now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Heskiff thanks Albert thanks for listening and until next time up the palace <laughs> <laughs>